Welcome to the Truth CSGO podcast, episode 55. This episode features an interview with Fur from MIBR, and we're talking about Zentaras to Big, Adren to Coach Liquid, Android, Yay, and Rambo out of complexity. And we're also going to have a little section about how to be consistent in CSGO and how to deal with a difficult dad at Christmas time. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Fair. Godzera. Flasha. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky beaky like? All right, it's Christmas time. I'm down in Melbs visiting fam doing the fam thing, and we're going to get on to fam towards the end, but let's start with some of this news, get it out of the way first, and get on to the good stuff afterwards, especially interview with Fur we've got coming up that's quite interesting. First up, we have Zantara's being acquired by Big. Zantara's is the ex-Space Soldiers player. You know and love him from his regular appearances on HLTV as the week's top-rated player. His real name is Ismilkin Dorcades, I believe that's the closest pronunciation I can possibly get. Google did not help me out. One iota with that particular uh, pronunciation. Anyway, uh, Zantaras has been bought by big, of course, Berlin International Gaming. They have replaced him. Uh, they're replacing Nex uh, with Zantaras. Nex has had some uh, wrist pains. It is unclear whether or not Nex will come back once his wrist pains are dealt with. I believe he is getting surgery for that particular injury. Uh, Space Soldiers, of course, were the all-Turkish team who had a lot of issues. They had a lot of issues with salaries, with visas, with management, and all the players decided not to renew their contracts earlier this year. It is a shame to see this guy leave his team and split the party. Considering they've been in it together, some of them since 2015, it can't have been an easy decision for Ishmael, Ishmaelkin. Uh, but let's hope the remaining guys stick together and reappear in the pro scene again. Now, whether or not this is a great thing for Big will remain to be seen. One of the uh, perhaps sticking points might be the fact that they now have less players, even less players who are going to speak German on that team. And what with Schmuyer still at least for the moment sticking with that roster. Zantaros, of course, though, is a phenomenal talent and Space Soldiers never really lived up to their offline, sorry, I should say online potential. They seemed to have something that faltered when they got to the big stage. Perhaps it was a lack of strats. Perhaps it was a lack of experience. Uh, Zentaras, however, seemed to put up the big numbers online and offline. Uh, it would be great to see an org come and pick up the remaining four. Let's hope they can stick together and perhaps reappear in the pro scene with another young up-and-coming Turkish player. Now, of course, big like Complexity have failed to impress much since their second place at Cologne and quarterfinal at the face at Major. And perhaps... This young Turkish man will be the guy who takes them back into the scene. They have legend status now coming into the Katowice Major. And so it'll be exciting to see what he can do with the Germans. Now, let's move on across the pond to the North American region. We had some news about Liquid last week. Of course, if you remember, Taco and Zeus have been bought by MIBR and traded for Stewie2K. There were some things right and some things wrong with this trade on both sides of the fence, in my opinion. But another change has happened this week for Liquid, and they found a replacement for Zeus in the form of Eric Hogue, a.k.a. Adren. He's a 28-year-old who started his career on Team Dynamic in 2012. He played for I Buy Power in 2014. And then Liquid itself in 2015-16 to 16 for a year and a half, where he helped them get three, uh, third and fourth place in the MLG Columbus. Actually, he IGL'd for a bit, too. 
Not many people remember that. And if you go back and watch some of the interviews during that particular major, he actually talked a bit about being contacted by multiple organizations at the time to become a coach. So dude's been um, considering this sort of move for a while. If you could also consider that his most popular videos on his YouTube channel, which if you haven't checked it out, you should check it out because he's got a lot of very uh, useful tutorials on there. His most popular tutorials and his most popular videos are from about four years ago. So he really did peak in his scene involvement about four years ago. Since leaving Liquid, he has been uh, playing with a team called Mythic, who are currently rated 78th. And on that team, I believe, are some uh, pretty popular streamers like Flom and um, that other bloke. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, what do I think about Adren being put on Liquid? Whether or not he's going to be a replacement for Zeus obviously will take a while to determine. What's evident, though, is that this guy is not the kind of coach who's going to be an emotional anchor. If you've watched his videos, uh, even his tutorials where he doesn't appear, he's a pretty dry, pretty flat, pretty, uh, I wouldn't say emotionless, but he's definitely not the sort of uh, strong personality that we saw with Zeus. Uh, And he's not going to be the sort of emotional anchor for this team that Zeus, uh, you know, from the outside seemed to have been. Uh, So it's it's probably more likely that his contribution to the team will be developing strats and giving advice on practice, etc. and using the team weights in the best way possible. I think... I think this could actually be a good thing for Liquid if Stewie2K is given a bit of power in the team because in the past, Liquid's only real weakness, or at least over the last year, has seemed to have been their mentality in best of threes against Australis, which seems to have directly related to a mentality issue. Um, And so Adren might not be the kind of replacement Liquid fans might have wished for, but now with some hot blood in Stewie 2K, perhaps it doesn't matter anymore. And maybe he will be the hot blood they need. Although, here's, here's where I think this may, you know, things could go a little awry. If Stewie 2K doesn't respect Adren, and he may very well not, because I don't think Stewie respects people who don't have the passion he does. At least that's my impression of him. Uh, I can see this not being a roster that Stewie 2K actually stays at for too long once again. In fact, I would put money down that Stewie actually spoke to several orgs in the past couple of months other than Liquid um, and probably concurrently with them. And I bet he will probably continue to speak to other orgs during his tenure at Liquid. And if he doesn't find the same level of energy in the other players or in Adren or in Elige or he clashes with players like Twists, I can see him jumping to Mouse Sports or perhaps FaZe or whoever wants him, you know, uh, even uh, NRG, perhaps if they decide to get rid of one of the uh, lesser frags on their team or even rejoining uh, Tarek on Complexity once it has some better pieces so he can sort of do it with his dignity intact and not feel like he's stepping down. Uh, now, for those wondering uh, about the differences between Adren and Adren, who was the player on Gambit, who obviously won the PGL Krakow with them. The uh, differences in the names, actually, uh, Adrian from, from Gambit capitalizes the A in his name. And a very helpful Reddit user pointed this out and suggested that that might be the way I can uh, sonically differentiate between the two. So if you hear me referring to Adren, that's the new coach of Liquid. And if you hear me referring to Adren, that is the Kazakhstani ex-Gambit player who actually has been in talks this week with FaZe, according to DK in his juicy little mailbag on VP Esports. Uh, we can't really talk too much about that because it's just a rumor, but that could be very exciting. Obviously, he would be replacing Carrigan. Anyway, that's all my thoughts about Adren and Liquid. Let's move on to another NA team, which is obviously Complexity because they've had some big news this week. They have benched Yay and Android and Coach Rambo has departed. 
Complexity obviously burst into the scene this year with a cracker of a run at the London Major, but bombed out in Star Series Season 6 and DreamHack Winter. Jason Lake, the CEO, obviously thinks 20-year-old Jacob Whiteacre, who you know as Yay, who you know from his delicious grin at the uh, Face It Major, uh, he obviously thought that uh, Mr. Ye isn't good enough to drag the team higher than they're placing at the Major because he's announced they're putting him on the bench along with Rambo uh, and Android. Now, I did a little bit of forensics for you guys uh, who want a little more info about what's going on with this particular roster move. And I got a bit all uh, NCIS on uh, Ye's Twitter. And if you go back to the first, the first of this month, he actually uh, tweeted, and I quote, Been playing the worst CS I think I've ever played. Mixture of lack of focus, bad decisions, indecisiveness, and more. Only thing I can do is actively work every day on these issues, try my best to figure out the root cause. Then the next day he went on to say, Think the worst part about it is knowing what is right in game but failing to apply it on a day-to-day basis and the cause being unknown really other than it not clicking in that moment. Other days, other situations, it's obvious. I'll figure it out, whatever it takes. Well, well, well. This was only perhaps a week, a week and a half, two weeks before uh, Complexity tapped him on the shoulder and pointed towards the bench. Uh, but these definitely seem like the last words of a drowning man who probably at the time didn't have the support of his team or his IGL or his coach in the last two weeks of his employment at Complexity. Very telling, particularly the uh, inability to work out the root cause Try my best to figure out the root cause, he says. The uh, cause being unknown other than it not clicking in the moment. I'll figure it out, whatever it takes. No mention of me and my coach or me and my team or me and me and complexity or me and the management will figure it out. No, no, no. This is a guy who was out on his own. Now, whether or not he was out on his own during his uh, main tenure with the team, uh, you know, obviously I can't know. It's possible that the IGL, uh, Stannis Law, or perhaps Rambo, or perhaps Complexity Management just kind of stopped communicating with him once they decided that he was going to get the flick. But who knows? Bradley Fodor, a.k.a. Android, similarly ha- had a bit of a slump uh, towards the end of the year with uh, along with um, Ye, especially stat-wise, although though both of them have still been fragging a tiny bit better than Def um, and Stannis Law. But Def in particular... Uh, they were fragging better than, and this was somewhat uh, of a bit of ammunition for some of the commentators on the scene, for instance, Thorin and Richard Lewis, who questioned why these guys were being kicked over deaf. And surprise, surprise, there was another tweet that could actually help us uh, make a little sense of this. Um, And it was a tweet from Jason Lake a few months ago, where he was praising deaf for sticking with complexity over an offer from Cloud9. And I quote again, Def turned down a huge offer from Cloud9 because he believed in what we were building. He stayed loyal and endured the struggle to overcome the odds, unquote. So apparently as well, that uh, offer was made earlier on in the year at the beginning of 2018 when Cloud9 were looking absolutely on the ascendance. So it seems that loyalty and relationships are the reason why Def remains in this roster and Ye and Android have gotten the flick. And good on him. Good on him. Uh, Loyalty should be rewarded uh, and Jason Lake obviously appreciates it. And if you're not too familiar with Ronald Rambo Kim, the now ex-coach, he was a 1.6 and source player who coached for MVP PK for a bit. He's actually NA though, uh, before he came over to Complexity in April this year after being manager for a short stint. As for Complexity's next uh, move, we know they've been in talks with Tarek, but there are currently no signs as to uh, who will replace these pieces. 
on the team. Uh, we've talked before, and we've talked before about the tier three upset effect that complexity definitely had at the major. And by that, I mean a sort of a tier three team can make an upset run at a tournament through a combination of preparation and surprise. And because they've got so very few demos to watch, they make a difficult opponent um, for, make it difficult for their opponent to anti-strat them. And often, you know, it depends, their run depends on finding the right path against uncertain or unconfident or, you know, unstable rosters. Uh, and they can suddenly seem like an up-and-coming upsetter. Now, we saw this this year with LDLC at IEM Chicago. That's a familiar tale. It's not uncommon. And complexity, it seems, had a little more up their sleeves uh, than what they showed at the major, which was basically, you know, a new combination of strats and players um, and Stanislaw not having been on the scene for a while and bringing, of course, his own juicy metas. Uh, now... Final word on complexity. We've all know that they've had a large cash injection from owners of the Dallas Cowboys recently. I think it was about 47 million buckaroos. So perhaps we'll see some uh, fleshy acquisitions for the next major. It'll be fun to uh, see whether another NA team can uh, really straddle the stage once again. We've got NRG there. We've got Cloud9 there. We've got um, Liquid, obviously, right there. Having complexity uh, take it up a notch would make for a really fun 2019 in the North American Rage. Now, just for some tiny little uh, news bits and bobs to finish this section off, we've had a coach swap at Hellraisers. Jonta, J-O-H-N-T-A, has left Hellraisers as the coach and been replaced by AMI, their former analyst. These guys now also have Hobbit. So with a couple of new pieces and some fresh blood, hopefully we'll see them hit the top 10 next year. It's obviously a team that I've said we need to keep an eye on. They've got Issa and Woxic, and now with a third chunk of firepower in the form of Hobos, we uh, expect to see them do great things. Some more news back from uh, North America. The coach of EU United, a guy called Oso Random, has been fired uh, two days ago because of sending some unsolicited dick pics to a young girl who was trying to get graphic design work with E United. She complained on Twitter and published some of his. Uh, well, she published his resp- his uh, apology to her. Uh, there isn't much to say about this other than what a primate. Uh, Virtus Pro. There's been rumours that they are sticking with the Polish lineup and going to rebuild around Snatchy Morels and Michu. Obviously, Neo and Pasha are the only ones who have been left out in the snow. And the rumor is uh, being the cherry on top of this rumor is that they're going to bring back Snacks and Bialy, pay Snacks' buyout again from Mouseports and bring Bialy in from the wilderness. And of course, there's so much to be said about this that I almost don't know where to start. Uh, so perhaps we shall just leave that for another time when it's been confirmed and then we'll dig in with that particular one. Why don't we move on to an interview with Fur? Now, when I say fur, of course, I mean Fernando Alvarenga, obviously one of the greatest Brazilian CSGO players of all time. And I wanted to uh, talk about a story I really didn't cover last week, and it regards Blast Pro Lisbon, because fur was not there. Brax was there playing for MIBR, because fur was off getting surgery on his ear. Those of you who lurk on the subreddit may have seen the gory post-op photo uh, he, he uh, posted on his Instagram, but... Um, for those who uh, weren't aware of what was going on, Fur has had some serious ear issues for his entire career and last week went into surgery to get a titanium plate put in his ear to replace a corroded bone, a bone that was corroded by uh, numerous infections. Pretty heavy stuff. Uh, so this guy, basically, he's won two majors, been one of the top teams of all time for a game which sound plays a crucial role. 
has basically had limited hearing in one of his ears the entire time due to these numerous and continuous infections. And I actually spoke with him about this uh, condition back at IEM Sydney in July. So I thought this was a good time to listen to what he's been going through with his ear. He's apparently in recovery and should be back on the team by the time the next major rolls around. Although some of the people on Reddit who have had similar operations for similar conditions said it can take months and months to actually get your full range of hearing back. Anyway, I thought the uh, interview was interesting as well because we do talk about his aggression on the server, which obviously will continue, and how that actually was a result of his hearing impediment. So without further ado, here is Fernando Alvarenga. Yeah, so you're really known as an aggressive player, and your aggression on CT side, on overpass, around the bathrooms and long, I copy basically in every matchmaking game I play. Oh, really? Where does that come from, this aggression? Are you an angry person? No, not really. I mean, like, uh, when I started playing CS, I was playing, like, in a bad team, like, with with friends, Mm -hmm. and they were, like, really low level. Uh So, on my mind, I was like, dude, I have to do something. So, like, I have to aggress, like, I go some, somewhere and kill someone, so my, my team, they feel like confident, like, oh, it's like 5v4, five, five so they like start playing their game like better. Right. So I started doing this. But when I like joined the pro team, uh, I had a problem in a year, so I can't like trust in the sound like 100%. Yeah. So I start, I start like planning uh, aggressive plays, aggressive plays, so I can like get them off guard. Yeah. And I mean like if I'm playing, let's suppose, connector or Mirage, I can't like trust on the sound, so I have to anticipate the the play, yeah. the strat. Yeah. So that's why I became like really aggressive. Yeah, that was insane. You didn't tell your team about your hearing for a long time. Yeah, I mean like with this team, I mean like they they know about the problem, but yeah. I never told them like about how really bad it was. Mm. So I was like hiding from myself, mm-hmm. and I didn't even talk with my family because I knew them, and they were like, "Oh, hey, you should stop and like take care of this," but. CS nowadays we have tournaments like every week, mm-hmm. so it's hard to stop. And mm-hmm. I want to compete. I want to win, mm-hmm. so I could not stop to go to the hospital and take care. Yeah. So it like was getting worse, and then I went to a hospital in Brazil to a doctor, and he said like, "Oh, your your ear is fucked," and blah blah blah. And it was like, did he say fucked? Did he use that word? Yeah. It was like it's really fucked because oh, you have sh- a perforation, have like infection. Yeah. So you're here like you lost like seven percent of your hearing. I was like, dude. I'm fucked anyway, so and he said like uh, I had like I had a problem in, in my nose as well because I broke my nose when I was, was a kid, so I like uh, had I was like only breathing from one side, so he said like oh, you need the first sur- surgery on your nose, so you have like a, a good brief, yeah. so we can do the the ear surgery, so I did the nose one, but the major was coming, I was like dude I want to compete, and then I start to play again, and I just like never mind like just forget about the year surgery but i still have to do it you still have to do it yeah can you do it next week please i can't you are such a guy it's such a man thing to do i'm too busy to go to the hospital yeah i mean like not too busy but i'm a really competitive player so Mm. i just want to know how to play i want to help my team i mean when i stop to do the nose surgery Mm -hmm. uh they put like another player like to replace me and they were like doing bad and our confidence was like going like we are losing our confidence because we're doing bad and then I was like, dude, and they sent me a message to me, hey, please come back. We are like losing our confidence and blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, I'm going back. So this is the difference between months. Brazil and France. Shoxi takes a risk surgery. Like, yeah, that's, how long? that's really bad. Like Olaf, Olaf had, like Guardian had a problem as well. So that's really bad. But I mean, like it's life. So 
Hey, can you go swimming? No, I can't. Right. So you I can't can. enjoy Bondi Beach? No, I can't. I can't dive, so that's bad. Shit. Every day I have to put a, cot a cotton to go to the shower because if the water came inside, the infection like goes back and that's bad. Before I met CS, I was like training to be a bodybuilder because my middle brother is bodybuilding. So really? he's bodybuilder, so I was starting to go to the gym. Wow. And I had a good shape, a good shape like before I met CS. You still cut, dude? No, no. Now I'm like so, so like tiny. That's so bad. I was speaking to Rush before, and his brother's a bodybuilder. You know that? Who? Rush. Rush? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, his brother's uh, one. Oh, his brother? Stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. My brother is a bodybuilding Brazil, so has men's physique, like really what? tall. Wow. Men's physique, yeah. That's his name? No, no, no. His name is Rafael. What did you say? Men's physique? Men's physique? Men's it's physique. like. Uh, oh, right. Is his division in bodybuilding, right. you know? Wow! Like uh, when he goes to the stage, he uses like uh, on this on his division, he doesn't he doesn't use like underwear, you know? That on bodybuilding they use underwear. Ah, uh, he uses you know? shorts. Or yeah, he uses yeah, shorts. Right. Yeah, shorts. Okay. Yeah, he uses okay. shorts and everything counts, like face, like hair, everything. Is he a champion? Yeah, like a six-time champion in Brazil. Wow! Yeah, so he's really got a good. family of champions. Yeah. Are you proud of him? Of course. Is he proud of you? Yeah, he's my inspiration actually. Is he? Yeah. All right, this next section is uh, called How to Be Consistent in CSGO, and it arises from a question that was asked by a Redditor who was complaining that some mornings he wakes up and feels a real sense of ease in how he plays. He hits he has his headshots, he gets his uh, crosshair placement right, he gets the timing right, he's get his, pe his peaks right, and everything just feels like it's in sync. And the other mornings he wakes up and just cannot hit a single thing, everything feels off. And he wanted to know, pardon me, how he can achieve more consistency. So I typed up a lengthy response. And in fact, I was responded to by a guy who I thought added some uh, interesting value to it. Um, so I thought I'd just share this with you guys because I know there's some um, listeners out there who are pugging hard for Christmas, <laughs> just hitting the MMs for Santa, uh, whether or not you're trying to avoid particular family members or not. Most of you have some free time. And you may be wondering why you can't maintain some consistency. And here's my theories. And of course, take into account that I'm not a medical specialist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a sports psychologist. I'm not a coach. I'm just a dude. All right? I'm just a dude. And here's my uh, answer to him. In uh, I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but this is basically how it went. I think the feeling of ease that you are describing comes down to two things. Uh, and, and whether or not you can get it comes down to two things. And the first one is how much oxygen you have in your bloodstream. And the second one is what's happening in your subconscious. And so just to expand on those points, firstly, in terms of the oxygen you have in your bloodstream, the ways to increase the blood oxygenation are through regular exercise, getting enough sleep so that you wake up naturally and feel refreshed, having a good diet with predominantly whole foods and heaps of antioxidants and fatty acids, drinking plenty of water, and making sure that fresh air is circulating in your room. Now, especially regarding diet, here's one thing you can do. On the day when your aim and play style clicks and you feel at ease and you feel like you're just hitting everything, try and remember what you ate in the 24 hours prior to this. Write them all down because I think there'll be a clue in there. And maybe you won't find it the first time, but if you write them all down the second time you feel that everything clicks, you can go back and compare and see what the common denominators were. And similarly, on the flip side, if you have a bad day, you don't feel good, write down what you ate or write down how you slept. Go back next time it happens and see if there's any similarities. 
Because you've got to start, as you get older, you've got to start really being the boss of what goes into your, <laughs> into your mouth and into your brain. Uh, and and, and there's, a, there's a kind of a clue in what he was saying and what this Redditor was saying because he's like, I eat really healthy and I don't know what happens. Uh, but healthy can often simply mean, uh, you, you know, it's a, it's a societally agreed thing on a, a agreed standard of what is summarily healthy of the status for the status quo. So um, it's a very clumsy way of saying that we actually all have quite a lot of variance in what foods our bodies respond to. And blueberries, for instance, might make someone feel absolutely wonderful, but for someone else, they may just make the nerve endings fire a little too quickly. Or they may have too sugar for one person and and uh, not enough for someone else. So it's really up to you to eat things and observe yourself how you, and how your body reacts. Um, the second part of this response, which was about what's floating around in your subconscious and how that can affect whether or not you're feeling like you're hitting everything or whether you can't hit a single thing, um, basically comes down to the fact that CS relies a lot on instinct. And instinct happens in the hind brain, basically the, the medulla. And if you have anything that's bothering uh, you that's caught in the frontal cortex, that just takes up resources in the uh, resources from the energy that your body can allocate to your brain. So this is sounding a bit, um, you know, uh, ridiculous here. Just think about it like this. If you've got a decision that you've been put off, uh, you've put off making, or you've got a, you know, a, a chore that you haven't done, even no matter how small these are, uh, it could be a feeling that you're not certain of or an insecurity you haven't addressed. Yeah, you, you, can, you can tell that you might have this by physical signs. Your, your leg might be pumping, your feet might be tapping, uh, you might be biting a nail, etc., etc. Um, perhaps it's just an insecurity you haven't addressed you know, in, in your life full stop. Well, your brain, you've got to remember, is a finite object. It's not an infinite object. It's actually a real object in the world with, with a finite amount of space and capabilities. And you can only process so much at once. And if you think of your instinct as a fast-moving freeway with cars rushing down it, if you have a thought in your frontal cortex, for instance, about a decision you haven't yet you know, made, it's a bit like an accident happening by the side of the road that causes every single driver to slow down either to have a look or to change lanes. And it slows down the whole freeway and the whole process. So the way to get around this and ensure that you have some consistency in the days when you feel like everything's clicking is to clear your to-do list before you play Counter-Strike. And it means acknowledging any worries that you absolutely cannot deal with that day uh, and being okay with that. Or it means meditating. Then you can play. Now... After this post on Reddit, I did get this response I mentioned, and it was by a guy called ItraGG, or I-T-R-A-H-G-G, and he posted, and I'm just going to have to quote him verbatim because it's his words. He said, regarding the subconscious, there's a self-quote that I have uh, from a technique that can be used for clearing everything floating around in your mind before playing CSGO. So all of those listeners out there about to sit down for some MM, feeling a little off, you can try this. Sit down, close your eyes. Think vividly of situations that make you nervous, like starting a match, like clutching, etc. Then sit down and embrace every sensation that is going on in your body. Say thank you for every bit of what you feel. Maybe your heart is racing. Maybe your stomach is turning. Whatever it is, just stay with it and have the intention to let out the energy behind it. Don't try to make it go away. Instead, recognize that it's a remnant of your animal instincts and thank it because without it, you wouldn't have survived way back in time. Now, after a while, depending on your psyche, the blocks will go naturally. Every emotion runs out sooner or later, and this is called letting go or surrender. And it also works with every other thing in your life. 
pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. You can actually play CSGO without any kind of fear if you apply this technique thoroughly. He goes on to say, once the emotional charge around a topic is gone, what happens is that it's quickly handled with a concluding thought and appropriate action is taken without further resistance. Observing ourselves thoroughly, we realize that every thought we ever think has an emotional charge behind it. Once that is gone, there's not much reason to think about stuff. So the less pressure there is, the more silent the mind, the better the focus. And that was the end of the post. What a boss that guy is. Uh, he uh, asked him for permission to use it in this podcast. And he said, absolutely. It's something I use and I found it very useful. And I hope other people do too. So I hope you guys do too. Now, speaking of emotional issues, the final part of this podcast is going to get a little bit deeper and a little bit more emotional. We're going to be talking about how to deal with difficult dads this Christmas. So if you're a long-time podcast listener, you would know that difficult dads have been <laughs> a topic uh, on this podcast broached more than once. In fact, uh, I believe my interview with Kenny S got into the uh, into the weeds regarding uh, dads who refuse to be vulnerable and what you can do about that and the difference in vulnerability between generations. So this podcast, perhaps, uh, this section perhaps applies to Kenny S as well, but look, the reason I thought about talking about difficult dads at Christmas was because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a few days ago, and he was relating a fairly familiar story to, about, uh, to me about um, having dinner with his dad or having to have dinner with his dad at Christmas and being really, really not excited to do it because his father is such a social uh, idiot, <laughs> basically. Uh, so my wife is my my friend is married, and him and his wife have to go and sit with him, and endure his father's limited social skills. Uh, his father has a very uh, kind of dysfunctional way of relating to his son, and it's kind of curbed by a sort of uh, practice where instead of talking to his son and daughter-in-law about their lives or what's going on with them, he just starts talking about. Um, people they don't even know, like old colleagues of his, and running through those people's career histories. And I guess if you if you were to if you were to observe this behavior in a young teenage boy, for instance, it might be labeled Asperger's or Asperger's. Uh, but because of where he is in life, no one really challenges him on this behavior at all. You know, he's a he's a financially secure, retired man in his sixties. He's got a, an ever shrinking circle of um, friends. He has no dependents anymore. His children have grown up and moved out. He has no spouse, um, so he can kind of get away with this behavior on a on a, on a fairly regular basis. But his children obviously find it quite torturous, um, and and the reason for it is not not really because he is doing it on purpose, but because they still want something from him. Uh, despite being in their 30s, they are still desiring of some sort of validation from their father that they didn't get when they were growing up. Uh, and it's not an uncommon thing. Um, there's, a, there's a resentment inside them because they grew up with a, with a lack of personal connection and warmth from him. Uh, and the way that he treated them was basically to bundle them off to boarding school and try and just make money and put his head down and avoid being emotionally involved in their lives on almost <laughs> every way. Uh, and I've been through this with my father to an extent. I've seen my siblings go through it. I've seen other friends deal with it. I've seen very few of them approach a solution to it. Uh, in fact, most of them just sort of bitterly complain about their fathers or declare with exhaustion 
that's just how he is. He's never going to change, so I just have to make sure I see him as little as possible so I don't get triggered. Now, if this sounds like you, then this section is for you. And if this, is, this doesn't sound like you and your dad is awesome and lovely and knows how to say I love you and ask about your life and gets really involved and you had a wonderful childhood, then perhaps you can end the podcast here. <laughs> but um, if not, then listen on. Because neither of those solutions that I just said are desirous. And in fact, moving on from them is actually a very important step that as young people, we kind of need to take if we're going to become adults. Uh, And that step, of course, is forgiving our parents. And I I forget who it was. I think it was Eric Erickson, the uh, psychologist, who said that um, one of the most important stages of life after forgiving ourselves is forgiving our parents. So... uh, Let's just talk about how, you know, a third solution we could perhaps take this Christmas time with uh, an impending dinner with our father coming up. So this is how you do it. Imagine that your father was basically once a boy like you were and his father, chances are, was probably involved in some sort of war uh, or something of a similarly grave nature. Uh, or perhaps at least relative to what we have to deal with, you know, dropping our iPhone and, and cracking the screen, for instance. And, you know, the way they dealt with that back in those days, if your dad was anything like mine, was through some sort of uh, stoicism. If you're not exactly sure what stoicism is, I suggest you look it up because it's, um, it's really often a phase that uh, young men go through in order to deal with the shit that life continually throws at them. But basically, it's a stiff upper lip way of looking at the world and knowing that shit's going to happen, shit's coming down the pipeline. Shit will always happen. You just grin and bear it, basically, and accept it. Uh, And there's a strength that you can get from that. But it means that back in those days, emotions weren't talked about too much. Vulnerability wasn't necessarily something that his father would have expressed, i.e. your grandfather. And self-knowledge was not something that was seen as necessary. More, uh, The more necessary trait was resilience and stamina. So basically, your dad grew up with a strict competitive father who was the hero of his own story. And your father never got the uh, validation from his father that you similarly didn't get from yours. In other words, your father is still looking for his own father's validation. And when he sits down with you at dinner table or, you know, at the restaurant, uh, he's basically a little boy looking for that lost connection as well. And this is where you can step up and say to yourself, well, my arc in life is to keep growing, whereas my father's is to shrink, right? And if you think about our life on a timeline, we start out growing and we reach the apogee of our growth somewhere somewhere around middle age, and then we start to shrink again, both emotionally, socially, uh, in terms of our power in the world, and then, of course, physically towards the end. But your, your uh, arc is still growing outwards. Therefore, the change that you want to see in your father should be happening in you first. And the way to do this is quite difficult in some ways for our psyches if we're not ready for it. But it requires a paradigm shift in terms of how you feel about what your father's done. The first thing you have to acknowledge is that your father tried the best he could. This does not mean that he, he did the best job a father could ever do, but he did the best job that he could do. And 
even though he might have done things to you that were malicious at times or seemed hurtful at times, he is actually just a human being. And human beings, for the most part, are trying to make the world a happier place for them and their progeny. That's biologically what happens. And the only exceptions to this basically are psychopaths. And psychopaths are incredibly, incredibly rare. So once you've done that, you then have to look at all the things in your life that you actually are happy about and the things in your life that you enjoy and the things about you that you like and are happy about. And if you find this very difficult, then obviously you need to work on looking at yourself a little more. But you have to do that because then you can trace those things back to your father. Uh, I was speaking about this to my friends and he said, look, there's nothing that I, there's really no good memories that I can ascribe to my father. There's really nothing good that's come out of my life that I can ascribe to my father. But if 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 you're willing to take an indirect jump, then this exercise can be much easier for you to do. So let's say that you are very grateful for the fact that you have a job that is paid for, that is paying, you know, rent on an apartment, right? Now, the ability to get that job may not have been drummed into you by your father or your work ethic may not have been drummed into you by your father. It may have been something that you came uh, came across or developed completely in spite of your father who was a layabout, who uh, told you not to work, who told you you were needed for wasting your time working, right? Now, if you think about how that led to you working, it may go, you may go, this is, this is, this, there's no way I can absolutely thank, I can thank this guy at all for what I've done uh, in my life. Unless you look at his teachings at that time or his uh, negative uh, influence on your life as being driven from his own fear and therefore leading you into a path where you are now happy. You get what I'm saying? So any good thing now can be drawn back to your father because basically he represents your origin regardless. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to, like the Japanese uh, saying goes, thank your mother, for instance, for you know holding you in her stomach for nine months because no one asked to be born. But you can thank them for their intentions because everybody has good intentions. So once you've made a list of these things, the next time you go and see your father, have them in your mind. And before he can say anything rude or ridiculous or nasty or, you know, just socially inept, you just go, look, there's something I want to say. First up, I've been doing a bit of thinking. And I want to say I'm deeply, deeply grateful for all the things you have done for me and all the wonderful things that have come out of my life because of what you tried to do for myself and my siblings and my life. And if you shower him with praise in this way and you flatter him with praise, even though this may seem like the last thing you want to do and the last person you would want to give any sort of thanks to in your life, I guarantee you his needs, his emotional needs that lead back to his childhood are going to be met and you will experience a very different person from that moment on. Even if it's only for that dinner, he will be able to engage with you on a level that you've been wanting to for a long time. And this obviously requires a shift in maturity, a shift in thinking uh, and... (laughs) In some ways, just sort of biting your tongue. Um, But I suggest that if you are dreading dealing with your dad this Christmas, you may want to try it. And if you do, let me know how it goes. That's basically all I've got to say this podcast. It was a bit of a mixed bag, but I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, let me know at the Truth CSGO. That's my Twitter handle. Or you can email me the truth at thetruthcsgo.com. We have a Discord on the Twitter and uh, have a great Christmas and enjoy the game.